We're so glad that you're listening to the Branches Podcast. If you're in the Houston area, we'd love to see you in person at 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more information, go to brancheshtx.org. We hope this message helps you draw closer to God and that you hear the good news that you belong. Thanks for listening. So before we dive in today, I want to read today's scripture, this story of Jesus uh, on the last night that he was uh, alive before he went to the cross when he was with his friends, the disciples. Uh, and it says this, we're in Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 23. Here it, uh, it says this. When the time came, Jesus took his place at the table and the apostles joined him. He said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I tell you. I won't eat it until it is fulfilled in God's kingdom. After taking a cup and giving thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. I tell you that from now on, I won't drink from the fruit of the vine until God's kingdom has come. After taking the bread and giving thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after the meal and he said, this is the, cu- the new covenant, this, is, this cup is the new covenant by my blood, which is poured out for you. But look, my betrayer is with me, his hand is on the table. The human one goes just as it has been determined, but how terrible it is for that person who betrays him. They began to argue among themselves about which of them it could possibly be who would do this. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So like I said, over the past few weeks, we've been talking about the table. And of course, every week we kind of draw our attention back to this table. Not this specific one that we bought on the internet, but this table that that, that Christians all over the world celebrate at, many of them every single week. Uh, And at this table, something happens, Christians have wanted to say. And so for the last several weeks, like on the first week, we talked about how at this table, we are filled and we are also healed. When we're hungry, we can come and be full. When we are hurt or broken, we can find healing at the table. We talked about how at this table, we can find forgiveness, radical forgiveness. In fact, we can find forgiveness that we can't do ourselves, but we can give it to Jesus and he can do the work he can forgive We talked about at this table last week, uh, there's more and more room. In fact, the more room you make for someone, the more room there is (laughs) that it multiplies when you give away your spot. And this week, I just want to get maybe a a little bit technical, Uh, not boring, I hope, (laughs) but technical about what it means when we come to this table. When Christians say we meet God at the communion table, when we receive the bread and dip it in the cup, what happens And Christians all over the world have different opinions about this, but I think the text that we read today and also just what we practice here at Branches, why it's so important for us to have this table every single week, it's important for us to kind of drill down and answer that question, okay, is this a central piece of our identity as a community? And if it is, what does it mean? Because for many of you, maybe you took communion at your church growing up every single week, and so it's kind of a familiar thing. I had people when I started this community say, we have to have communion every week. And I'm like, You're right, we do. (laughs) Like, I'm on board. We agree. Uh, We may disagree about some other stuff, but we can agree on that. And then some other people, it may be different for you. Or maybe we talk about it in a different way. Or maybe we celebrate it more frequently than you have. Or maybe for you, you're kind of new to this Christian thing, and it's this total woo-woo crazy thing that we do every week. Like, we have snack time at the end of the service, you know? (laughs) 
And I know for some people it appears that way, but I want to be really serious in in a way that I mean, I want to be really pointed about what we believe about what happens at this table because I think it's transformational and important to who we are as Christians. And I have to tell you, when, when I talk about things like this, like the Trinity or what happens at the table or kind of these lofty Christian ideas, my wife Landon is my sounding board. She has a really sensitive BS meter. Uh, she can tell me when my jokes are not funny. You guys do a good job of that too, but I'd rather get out ahead of it, <laughs> you know? Uh, she was really, really helpful. There's this a beautiful moment in our relationship. It was before we were married. We went to a wedding one night, and I was preaching at our church in Atlanta the next day, and she was like, are you ready for your sermon? This was on the way home from the wedding, mind you, like midnight. Uh, are you ready for your sermon tomorrow? Yep, I'm ready. Tell me what you're preaching about. I told her. She was like, honey, <laughs> you got to stay up a little longer, you know? (laughs) It's not ready. So grateful for that. And so now I try to get it done a little bit earlier. And so I was a little worried this week and this weekend. I was in Austin all week. Then when I came home, I met Landon at the house. She got in the car and I drove her to the airport and I had very little time to talk to her about this sermon this week Uh, because it's about something heavy. But something beautiful happened, as it always does when Landon's out of town. Uh, One of the first things that happens is I start to make this mental list of all the cool things I'm going to do while she's gone. (laughs) All the things I'm going to watch that she doesn't want to watch, all the the things I'm going to experience and maybe the stores I want to go to that she doesn't want to go to. You know, freshman college Colin returns, you know. (laughs) But then almost like it's a twin moment, almost immediately after that, I start to feel sad and lonely and sorry for myself. And then inevitably this third thing happens. In the quiet of the drive back home, or I'm at home in the living room with just me and my dog Montgomery, and it's quiet, and I'm thinking about dinner, this still small voice, I want to think it's a divine voice, and quiet, prayerful, listening, speaks two amazing, miraculous words. Taco Bell. (laughs) (laughs) So when Lan is at home, no Taco Bell. Landon's out of town, Taco Bell more than once maybe, you know? And now when we live in Bel Air, there's one right around the corner. And, you know, I like Taco Bell. It's not like my favorite food in the world, but there's just something about Landon being out of town. It's like, you have to do it. (laughs) You got to go to Taco Bell. And so I go to Taco Bell and I eat it and I feel bad, but I also feel good, you know? And it was like, Baja Blast, got to have a Baja Blast. So anyway, Landon's out of town. I don't know who to talk to my sermon about. I'm going to have Taco Bell. And I had Taco Bell this weekend, full confession. We confess before we go to the table. I, I had Taco Bell, and I thought about how, you know, maybe you're on a road trip, or you're kind of like have a short period of time. We've all been in a place, and maybe it's not Taco Bell for you, maybe it's something else, when you eat solely to f- fuel your body. You're not trying to make the most amazing meal of all time. You're not trying to find the perfect place. You're just going to drive through somewhere. You're going to pick something up. You're going to scour your cabinet. And it's just to fuel your body. There's this moment in Parks and Rec uh, where um, Andy Dwyer, this character, he's kind of dopey in the show. He has this realization as an adult that food is what fuels your body. And he like does some karate moves like, that's a cookie. That's a taco. You know, that we, we fuel our bodies with food. And sometimes people talk about the communion table that way, that when we come to this table, what it's really doing is just like, I'm tired, I'm beat up, my week has been horrible, I just need to go to the table, and if I get the communion, if I take the bread and dip it in the cup, I'll be ready for another really crappy week. I want, today, I want to dispel all that. <laughs> I want to undo all that. I don't want us to come to the table and be like, okay, I'm here, 
refuel me. And I think there's a measure of that, but it's so much more than that. In all four gospels, all four of these biographies of Jesus, Jesus ends his ministry with his disciples with a meal. All four of these stories, and they have little different details and different emphases. Only one of them has the disciples wash each other's feet. So it's only in one. So we don't do that every week. The kind of the manuscript evidence is like one of these for sure. This one, maybe every once in a while. And in these stories, Jesus gives thanks for this meal. He shares his meal with the disciples and he uses it as a moment to teach. That they celebrate together. Remember, we've talked about this several times over the past few weeks, that at this meal, it was this place of intimacy a place of closeness, that Jesus' closest friends, his closest confidants, the people he taught the most, was in close contact with, are at this table. And he's trying to tell them, this is it. And there's this kind of tweet or this meme I've seen go around that is Jesus is like, okay, guys, you're ready for the last supper? And they're like, the what supper? You know, like they didn't know. <laughs> they had no idea that this was the last one. And in this one, he shares at the table. I tell you, I won't eat it until it is fulfilled in God's kingdom. He's kind of setting their sights on the future. And then he takes the cup, take this and share it among yourselves. I tell you that from now on, I won't drink from the fruit of the vine until God's kingdom has come. He sets their sight again on the future of the kingdom. And then he gives thanks for the bread. And as we say at this table every week, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. They're like, you're right here. Remember you, here you are. And then he gives thanks for the cup. This is the cup of the new covenant of my blood poured out for you. They didn't quite get it. And so I want to, to dispel maybe that, that, that weaker idea of like, I just come here because I've had a hard week and I want to just refuel. I want to think about maybe the six facets that we kind of think about the communion table as like this gemstone. We're going to turn around in our hands and see all the beautiful facets of what it means for our lives of people that follow Jesus. And maybe look at some familiar ways that maybe you've experienced in your own life. So first, most common, the way that we talk about it here is communion. That's the word that we use. And in songs we sing it, this is communion. And it's from the Greek word koinonia, to be together, to be in fellowship, to be connected. When I stand over here most Sundays or I stand at the table or I stand on the stage and I see all the people come, I see this come to life. That people that may not even know each other or maybe people that have problems with one another or maybe people that barely know each other, maybe people that they've invited to this place come and they hold out their hands and they receive this bread and they dip it in the cup. I see koinonia, communion, connection, fellowship. One of our leadership team people, uh, I'll let you guess who it is, told me this week, he's like, I don't give them the bread until they look me in the eye, you know? Koinonia, communion, connection, even with a stranger. That's how God sees us. God connects with us. We say, even when we were estranged from God, God looked at us and gave us grace into our open hands. Communion, that's one way of looking at it. Second, maybe in more like high church traditions, Eucharist. Uh, Eucharistos is the Greek word. It means thanksgiving, to give thanks. We see that in the text today, that Jesus lifted up the bread and he gave thanks to God for it and he gave it to his disciples. And Jesus lifted up the cup and he gave thanks to God for it and he gave it to his disciples. It's thanks. And, and maybe that's the part of the refueling. Maybe that's the part that's true. Is there's so many weeks when I receive the, the cup, when I receive the bread, that I'm filled with gratitude, empty-handed faith to say, uh, God, I, I believe, but help my unbelief. 
or Jesus, I, I'm lost, and despite me, worship happened today. Thank you. Or that something amazing, miraculous, that I couldn't even even plan happened during the week, and I received this grace, and I taste it. Taste and see that the Lord is good, and I'm just full of gratitude. I hope that's true for you, too. Now, we don't take communion. You don't come up and rip off your own piece of bread. You come in an in a, in a attitude and also in a posture of receptivity with these open hands. Thank you. Maybe try that today in your posture as you come forward. Just have a heart and maybe say in your head, or you can say it out loud. You have my permission. Thank you when you receive the bread and the cup. Again, in, in, in Luke's gospel today, we see another facet of it, the breaking of the bread the disciples knew the Lord Jesus in the breaking of the bread, this old hymn says. And in the breaking of the bread, especially in Luke's gospel, it has to do with equity and inclusion. That in Paul's letters, in these early letters of an early follower of Jesus, he was mad at the Corinthians because they were using the meal as a way to divide people. And he's like, don't you remember that this meal was to unite us in equality and equity? that the rich people don't come and eat everything else and then leave the scraps or nothing for the poor people. And they were doing that in their practice. That in the breaking of the bread, take this and divide it amongst yourselves. Michelle's not here, so I can make fun of her. She is a gratuitous bread puller. I mean, some of you take communion from her and you're like, I gotta save some of this for later, you know? But there's enough to go around. But in that, we see the equity and the inclusion of grace because God gives grace in abundance to all people in the breaking of the bread. Maybe you've heard it, I mean, this is sometimes in Baptist traditions, the Lord's Supper. You guys ever use that, the Lord's Supper? It's common in a lot of traditions. Uh, I think the, the most beautiful way of thinking about that is that the Lord's Supper is a, a, a center of gravity, that as the world kind of shifts and changes around us, this table, again, not this specific one, but the capital T table, stands at the center and is unmoved. It's Jesus' dinner. It's the Lord's Supper. It's there. And no matter what happens externally around it in time or in space or in history, the table remains. It's his supper come to it. And it's also where we talk about the host it's Jesus' table. We say this every week. It's not mine. It's not this church's. It's Jesus's. It's Jesus' table. It's Jesus' dinner. He's inviting you. It fosters that invitation. Come, eat. There's a seat for you. Uh, this is a, another one. It's, it's only used once, I think, in the New Testament in Jude. The love feast. You guys ever hear of the love feast? The agape feast. Jesus people, uh, this movement in the 70s, Jesus people USA, Jesus hippies, if we want to say it that way, they loved this one, <laughs> the love feast. Uh, and from the outside, I was like, what are they doing at the love feast, you know? Uh, it's in the Bible. <laughs> but it's another thing we experience when we come to this table, pure, unbounded love that Jesus gave himself for us, the love feast, the agape feast, this outpouring of who God is into and around this table in the elements we experience love, the love feast. My friend Tyler is a pastor in Atlanta and uh, his son Gabe is a little older now, but when his son was like five or six, uh, he was a pastor and uh, he was serving communion every week and his son Gabe saw this happening and he wanted to serve communion. 
but he's like five or six. So Tyler was like, I really want to walk through this with you. I know you're a pastor's kid and you play church at home and do like mock baptisms on your little sister. Uh, but I want to show you how to do communion. So they walked through it and everything. And Tyler was at the table. So Gabe, Gabe um, volunteered with somebody else. And he was the one uh, uh, holding the cup. They thought that was the most secure thing rather than giving all the pieces of bread. Just hold the cup, stay stationary, let them dip it in. And Tyler is in worship, and this is happening, and he looks over, and every time somebody dipped their bread in the cup and put it in their mouth, Gabe would say something, hopefully, this is the blood of Christ given for you. It was not that, because every person was laughing (laughs) as they walked away. And Gabe went to the other volunteer, and he said, what was Gabe saying as they dipped their bread in the cup? And he said, every time the the person dipped their bread in the cup, Gabe would say, is it good? (laughs) Which is funny, but it's also bringing tears to my eyes because I think of that every week when I come to the table. Is it good? Yes, it's so good. We, we experience God's love at the table. It's good, pure goodness. Last, for our, our Catholic friends and brothers and sisters, the mass. This meal has become a mass. And maybe that's a familiar term to you, but it, it literally means to be sent out, to be poured out that at the table, Jesus pours himself out and then that same pouring sends us out into the world to be equipped and changed for the world. That we're representatives then of Jesus in the world because of the mass, because of the table, because of communion. It changes you some way, miraculously, spiritually. I'm reminded of uh, Will Willimon. He's a bishop in the Methodist church. And he told the story about a man who came to his church every week when he was still a pastor in Alabama. And uh, this, this man came to church. He was kind of a seeker, kind of professorial type, not really sure about the Jesus thing. But he participated in everything of the church except this one thing. He wouldn't come to the communion table. And Dr. Willimon asked him one time, just like straight up asked him, I notice you do all this other stuff. And then on Sunday, I see you standing at the back and you never come forward to receive communion. Why? And this professorial nerd, said to Bishop Willimon, well, there's this tribe in Africa, the Maasai tribe, and they kill lions and they use every part. And for the young men, they eat the heart of the lion so that they can become like the lion. And Willimon's like, okay. (laughs) And? And he says, I'm afraid if I come to the table and receive communion, I'll have to be like Jesus. And that, that story, every time I hear it, it it reminds me of this like weird fear I have when they come to the communion table. This high responsibility we have when we say, yes, I want that. <laughs> I want the life of the disciple. I want the life of someone who follows after Jesus. I want the life of Christ. It's the mass, it's the sending, it's the filling, it's the healing, it's the transformation. When we come to the table, something happens. It's not just recitation. It's not just miming things that happened 2,000 years ago. God is present in it and he does something to us. So I'm afraid when I come to the table that if I receive the body and blood of Christ, that my conduct and my opinions and my thoughts and my spiritual life might have to change. (laughs) And then on the other side of that, I hope they do (laughs) when we come to the table. Communion, Eucharist, breaking bread, the Lord's Supper, the love feast, the mass, all these different facets, this beautiful piece that we see before us at the center of what we do here at Branches that we surround the table, that we crowd the table around those things for God to fill us with his love and grace and transform us so we can go into the world and represent him. That's what I want when we come to the table. 
I think all of those, they all have in common something really beautiful. They all desire something of us that we be present. <laughs> that we be present with ourselves. That we be present, we, you know, a lot of uh, communities and traditions say that you got to confess your sins uh, before you come to the table. So the aisle is a long enough time to kind of list them out. You just come up and it's like, okay, on Monday I did this. And no, <laughs> you have a confessional heart <laughs> that you come forward and you, you receive. You have to be present to yourself. You have to acknowledge who you are and whose you are. And then we're present with one another. Like you have to physically be present. Like you don't want to cut in front of somebody or run into someone or like push somebody or, you know, do something wrong when you come receive it. But also you're present to others because you say, this same grace that applies to me applies to everyone around me. And then ultimately we're present to God because he is present to us. He's closer to us than we are to ourselves. That when we come to this table, we believe in the tribe of Christianity that we're a part of in the Methodist family that God is present at the table. He's present with us and to us and for us. And we come to be present with him. I want to leave us with, a, with an image. So I have an image of this, this icon. Uh, Rublev is this uh, Russian iconographer, and this is his depiction of the Trinity. Uh, I know icons aren't for everybody, uh, and it's a uh, part of kind of the Orthodox tradition. Uh, but you see these three figures sitting around this table, uh, your guess is as good as mine, which one is Father, Son, and Spirit. Uh, but here they are at the table. And you see that little box right there in the front of the table? It's small here. Uh, when this icon was created in a very large format, that box had uh, a reflective material on it, essentially a mirror. That when you approached to gaze at this icon, you saw yourself at the table. When we come to this table, we sit at the one we praised earlier, Father, Son, and Spirit. And we didn't invite ourselves. <laughs> God invited us and is in every moment and every table we sit and eat at, at our family dinner table, at Chewy's down the street, at Taco Bell, God is present and beckoning us to, our, to, his, to himself. And when we come to this table, it prepares us for every table we'll ever sit at to be present to God, to be present to one another, to be present to ourselves, to be transformed in the way that God desires for us to be transformed because we look at this table and we see ourselves at it. And that's, that's true. It's eternally true that as you approach it, there's a seat for you and it's never taken away. And so when you come to the, the table today, this isn't a one-time thing. You can't make up for missing it in past weeks because in every moment, it's full of the invitation to come receive, to taste and see, to with open-handed faith, receive grace given from God. There's a seat at the table for you, and there's a seat at the table for everyone you know, and I hope you'll remember that. This table will always be here for you, because Jesus will always be here for you, and he invites you to it. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for that infinite invitation to come back to you, to be drawn in by you, to sit at your table, to experience your grace and your love. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We're overwhelmed by it. We're transformed by it. Help us become more like you when we come to it. Help us become people of love when we come to it. Help us invite others along for the journey. Help us hunger and thirst for you from this day onward. We ask all of this in Jesus' name our host, our table attendant, 
the one who makes us guest with him, Jesus the Christ. Amen.